Previously on Myth Tarot Love, we examined the astrological sign of Aries. Today's show will focus on Taurus. Myth and Tarot. Where do the ideas go? Let's talk about stories, stars, and symbols, and all of the above. Welcome to Myth Tarot Love, a show about ancient stories and new age wisdom. I'm Biddy, your classicist. And I'm Rose, your resident tarot practitioner. Welcome back, everyone. Hello. We're talking about Taurus today. Bullhorn Taurus. Yes. As I'm doing the symbol. Yeah. With uh, my hands. Yeah. Biddy is <laughs> being adorable and uh, using her hands as horns. <laughs> I got this. Yeah. So, uh, Taurus, great sign. Mm-hmm. I realize I've been saying like a lot of the positives about each sign, but... Uh, I haven't actually been talking about the flip side of the sign, so maybe I'll start this one, but not because I don't like Taurus. I love me. I love me those Taurus people. <laughs> They're wonderful. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So we also have some myths mm-hmm. for you lined up all, <laughs> all ready, all ready to go. Yes, we do. Our, do we want to start with the myths? All our bulls in a, in a pen. Oh, I hope not. That'd be <laughs> a bleep show. That would be a bleep show. <laughs> All right. Um, I'll start. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, lots to talk about when it comes to Taurus. Um, first, I'm going to just talk about how Taurus is the first Earth sign that we've actually talked about on the show. Okay. Cool. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So we started off with Aquarius, mm-hmm. even though Aquarius is not the first sign okay. in astrology. We we just started it off because that's where we were. Because <laughs> where we were in the year. Um, but yeah. Aquarius was a fixed sign and it was the fixed air sign. So now we've looked at a mutable sign, which was Pisces. We looked at a cardinal sign last month, which was Mm -hmm. Aries. And now we're looking at another fixed sign, um, only now it is fixed earth sign. Okay. Right? So if you remember from our talking on the pentacles, the pentacles was a suit that was also ruled by earth right? Mm -hmm. And what that means is it's a very physical type of energy, right? Um, Everything earth tends to have, tends to do with the physical realm um, and materialism, but materialism gets a bad rep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, you gotta eat. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta have a nice house. Well, not necessarily a nice house, but you gotta have somewhere safe to sleep. Shelter. Shelter. That's, that's the word. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Security. Um, And, of course, finances bring security. They don't bring happiness, but they do bring security. Um, And all that fun stuff. All that fun stuff. But Tauros is an earth sign that is also fixed. And that means it's a very stable sign. And it's also, it's got quite the reputation for being uh, stubborn. I'd like to say determined. (laughs) Uh, Because stubborn kind of has a bit of a negative um, connotation to it, but you know what? It's a really gentle stubbornness. Um, not like the Capricorn, like me super <laughs> stubborn. <laughs> yeah. Capricorn is a whole other level of stubborn. Um, but what's interesting about earth, it is, it's also known to be a feminine, um, quality. Okay. Right. So the earth signs and the water signs are said to be feminine signs mm-hmm. and the fire and the air signs tend to be masculine signs. Um, 
Now, I think this is because uh, in astrology, they think of like feminine energies as being receiving and soft um, and flowing and nurturing and uh, masculine energies as being sharp and uh, causing dram dramatic change. So things like fire <laughs> and air is known as being like very logical and sharp, right? Um, so here we have Taurus, which is very much fixed middle of spring and it's all about nurturing uh, like new life, right? So we have all this new life that was being introduced by the fire sign Aries. Um, and boy, was it an Aries month. <laughs> I am sure uh, there's, there's challenges every month, right? But there's something about Aries that just, you know, all kinds of conflict comes up in March. Beware the Ides of March. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, comes which is uh, apparently something that Julius Caesar was told before he was stabbed. <laughs> Stabby stab. Stay on the Ides. Yes. <laughs> on the Ides of March. Yes. Yes. Anyways, to get on to get on with it. Um, yeah. So Taurus is an Earth sign. It's a. It's very feminine. Um, I definitely always associate it with the Pentacles. Um, feel like. All of the royalty, all all of those face cards in the pentacles could be considered Taurus in some way or other. Although I could also see them as being Virgo and Capricorn as well, so could definitely interpret that. Um, anyways, so I definitely see a lot of the pentacles, which has to do with prosperity. And this month's spread actually also has to do with prosperity. More on that later. Um, but I also very much associate Taurus with the Empress. And if you remember, the Empress was all about that fertility, right? Um, she very much uh, often talks about um, being pregnant and <laughs> new new life, new life, new growth. So we've got all this um, new life that's instilled by the male energy of Aries, and now it's being nurtured and just stubbornly pursued to grow and um, develop. And that is a very prosperous, prosperity type of energy, right? So um, this is a great month for beginning new ventures, um, but also for continuing new like business ventures, especially. Um, and there's also some sort of correlation between Taros and like the housing market. I don't know why, but I always see like a whole bunch of housing <laughs> going up for sale around Taros. Yeah, it could be the time of year because it mm -hmm. is spring. A lot of people don't want to buy or sell and move in the winter time. So this is kind of the beginning of that. Yeah. Things are yeah. nicer now. <laughs> things are nicer now, but it's it's also like things are getting beautiful around, mm -hmm. right? And that brings me to the next topic, which is Taurus is ruled by Venus. Um, Taurus is ruled by Venus. Venus is the planet of love and also beauty and Taurus. Tauros is kind of known for having those qualities of sensuality about them. They're very physical type of people. Um, love hugs, love cuddles. <laughs> um, and I don't mean to like stereotype. It's just I tend to, whenever I meet a Tauros, they tend to like hugs and cuddles. Um, I, I also love hugs and cuddles, but I'm not a Tauros. <laughs> You're allowed to like hugs and cuddles yes. and not be a Tauros. Um, but yeah, they tend to be very sensual people. Um, who really value um, the physical beauty as well. And they tend to have quite a bit of physical beauty to themselves as well. Um, anyways, also, I've noticed that a lot of Tauros tend to be very easygoing. They have this, like, really gentle nature about them where 
they seem like they're easygoing, but they will not be, um, they're not going to be pushed aside, right? So they have this way of being like, oh, it's so nice that you think it's going to happen that way, but it's actually going to happen my way. <laughs> you know, they'll just quietly say, oh, it's nice that you think it's going to happen that way. Um, it won't. Mm-hmm. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. <laughs> and uh, they just push on and it ends up work normally working out pretty well for them. So do they tend to be very good leaders then? In some ways, yeah. yeah. Um, they're, they're kind of a quiet leadership. There's a quiet leadership to them and I wouldn't say they're necessarily introverted like I've definitely met some extroverted Tauros out there um who have like they they're there's like a charming quality to them but they're also just they have a gentle way of leading mm-hmm. uh, whereas Aries is like let's move 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 let's do this we're gonna win Tauros is like this is the way it is and you know that like I think that strength makes people automatically respect them Mm. right that that idea that they're never going to be pushed away from their ideals that's that's something that people tend to admire about the Taurus uh what else can I say (laughs) oh yes okay so Venus actually rules two signs they rule Taurus uh, which is an earth sign as we mentioned but also Libra and we're going to talk about Libra more in October and Libra is also very much a sign that has to do with love but in a very different way because it is air it's an air sign and it's also a cardinal air sign right so we have kind of different ways that love is being um so love in in libra ends up being much more about balance whereas in tauros the love ends up being much more about sensuality and physical pleasure as well as stability Right. So when we look at when we look at um, Tauros, we're definitely looking at this idea of um, physical stability and security and also prosperity. Um, and we're going to look at two more Earth signs in the in the horoscope. One is Virgo uh, and the other, of course, is Biddy's favorite mm-hmm. Capricorn. Mm-hmm. Lots of lots of Capricorn friends out there. Yeah. They're going to rule the world. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I laugh, but it's true. <laughs> they're, they're already ruling the world. Who am I kidding? Um, yeah, so we're going to talk about how uh, each each sign essentially has its own characteristics and how it uh, is affected by the element that it's in. All right. Um, so that's all I've got for now. Would you like to talk a little sure. bit about... Yay. About the myths. The myths <laughs> As part. I do. Yes. So... Um, Taurus is actually Latin for bull. So oh, that makes there sense. we go. Totally makes sense. And we kind of seen this happening with Aries and um, who do we have before that? Pisces. So definitely a Latin flair there. Um, but the story in particular um, has to do with the Minoans a little bit. But some background first. So the bull is actually a common figure that we see um, in both Greek mythology, but also as a symbol within their society. And this goes back to the Minoans as well. Um, in particular, they would worship these horns of consecration um, for fertility, um, and also it's just a very masculine sign. 
Um, Interesting. And they even had this coming of age practice, or it could have been a sport. We're not entirely sure which one it is, um, where they would actually leap over a bull. <laughs> so pretty neat. Um, and we see this being done in mosaics and frescoes um, at Knossos, which is on Crete, as well as on the island of Thera. So that's just to say that um, this bull symbol um, for the Greeks has been around since the Bronze Age. Um, and even before that, which I'll get to in a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. Um, but for the story itself, um, like I was saying, bulls appear in stories related to Crete. For instance, the story of the Minotaur, which have you heard of that one before? A little bit. Like the, the half man, half bull story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. So not that's not the story that we're saying today, but that's <laughs> another bull story in relation uh, to Crete. <laughs> but the one that represents Taurus um, that we have is Zeus's love, I say quote unquote love story because... You know, it's Zeus. Um, So one of the many women that Zeus fell for included a Phoenician princess named Europa. Just like the word Europe, pretty much, but with an A. Um, So Zeus, as he was prone to do, um, decided to turn into a beautiful white bull and stand on the seashore where Europa was walking. And lured lured in by this beautiful bull, Europa (laughs) decided to hop on his back (laughs) and Zeus went into the sea and swam away all the way to the island of Crete. I didn't take bulls for for good swimmers. Yeah, no, she should have realized something was going on as soon as the the bull just got into the water and took off. Oh dear. Yeah. So they landed on Crete and this is where Europa stayed for the rest of her life and they actually (laughs) had three children together, um, King Minos, Sarpedon, and Rhadamanthius. So um, that's where, so Minos and the Minotaur, that's where that story comes about. Um, The Minotaur was actually, do I want to say love child, maybe, of a bull and Minos's wife. So kind of his like adopted son in a way. Okay, so Mino the the Minotaur wasn't actually like a product of Zeus being a bull. Correct. Okay. Yes, I can't remember which bull um, his wife fell in love with and then wanted to have sex with. It was. Oh I th- my! I feel like it was one from <laughs> Poseidon that Poseidon actually brought to the island, and she had so you know the the labyrinth where the Minotaur had to stay. Yeah. Um, this was made by a famous um, architect. And, well, famous. I say yeah. famous, uh, famous mythological architect. And he, she also had him make this bowl that she, like fake wooden bowl that she can go into to then be impregnated by this other bowl that she had fallen in love with. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So she, like, she wore like a bowl um, yeah. robot suit? Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So um, this is totally this, off topic now, but, <laughs> but yeah, so this is how the Minotaur was created, but um, yeah, I yeah. don't know. Lots Hopefully of, no one calls bull on our stories. <laughs> oh, but sorry. Um, um, no, that was good. <laughs> um, where was I? There. Okay, so um, for protection, so back to Zeus in Europa, so for protection, Zeus gave Europa, <laughs> it's actually that you, funny that you say um, a robot, he gave her a giant bronze robot that would run around the island of Crete three times a day and pelt enormous boulders at ships um, as they were attempting to land. Which again, not really important for the story, but I found kind of funny. <laughs> was it like a bull robot or just... No, just a big... 
a, a big giant robot. I didn't actually realize that robots were in Greek mythology. They are. So, yeah. So this one specifically is from the Argonautica, um, but it dates back all the way to um, Homer's Iliad. There is a passage um, where Hephaestus is making a new shield and armor for Achilles, and he actually has robots working for him to help him in his workshop. Oh, my goodness. So, yes, the idea of artificial intelligence and robots dates back to... Yeah, the bra- the Dark Ages, so I like 700 BC. It. I didn't realize that it's such an old idea. Here I was thinking mm-hmm. it was like a modern uh, science fiction type yep. of concept, but there it is in yep. classics. Yeah, we got you covered. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's the end of that story. Um, however, others say that the bull, as in Taurus, could also represent Io, um, which is another woman that Zeus <laughs> fell for. Um but she, well, she was a, a human, um, mm-hmm. but then in order for her to hide away from his wife, Hera, Zeus turns her into a bull oh. to kind of keep her hidden. Okay, so Zeus fell in love with Io, mm-hmm. and then she gets turned into a bull because yeah. Zeus is in love with her. Yeah, and, and wants to hide her away. It didn't work. Oh, dear. <laughs> but, Yes. <laughs> Um, so that's another possible story. But what's interesting, like I mentioned before about, you know, this story kind of dating back to the Bronze Age, Taurus seems to be a very old myth and idea in astrology, if that makes sense. So, yeah. um, like I was saying before, the bull, bull is a symbol that many ancient civilizations um, use, including ancient Sumer, Akkad, Assyria, Babylon, Egypt. Um, like I was saying, during the Bronze Age and even the Chalcolithic period, um, the constellation of Taurus back then actually represented the vernal or spring equinox. But it has oh. now shifted, um, like we spoke to Aries episode, to Aries, exactly, ringing in spring. So it's kind of interesting. And because of this, this is why um, Taurus is the first sign in the Babylonian zodiac is because then that was actually the first. The stars um, change. Yeah. That's interesting. So that means maybe one day uh, the spring equinox might actually be in Pisces. Eventually. Um, no, it wouldn't go the other way. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah no, because it's right. going you're backwards, right? right? Yep. Oh. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I wonder if that actually changes the way the astrology energies work as well. Right? It could. Yeah. It definitely could. Sometimes it's hard to tell because um, so much of, like, the power of astrology is really in the symbols of it. Right. Um, And what it makes us think of when we're thinking Taurus, the bull. Mm -hmm. And it's cool that you you mentioned that it's it was such a masculine symbol too, like a a symbol of power, but also a symbol of love, love, seduction, fertility, (laughs) fertility, and and fertility, especially. Yes. And we see um, in Babylon as well. And even in the epic of Gilgamesh, um, Taurus or the bull of heaven is mentioned um in relation to ishtar um who is again another like kind of sexual fertility goddess but also (laughs) warfare but so her and inanna Mm -hmm. are yeah kind of that mixture of the two (laughs) like sexual war goddess yeah yeah (laughs) in essence yeah so it's kind of interesting yeah sexual love fertility and warfare all together into one, which kind of Taurus like maybe. There's know. definitely a lot of that coming through. Um, what I'm surprised about is that it was such a masculine symbol, mm. considering that now it's considered to be more of a feminine symbol. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, not now, but I mean, like, in astrology, it's considered mm-hmm. to be more of a feminine symbol. Mm-hmm. Granted, I guess fixed signs sometimes get a, a masculine um, rap <laughs> about them, right? Yeah. Um, just because they're stubborn. It's not necessarily a masculine trait. Ladies can be stubborn, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. High five. This girl right here, yes. <laughs> Very stubborn over here. Um, yeah, so yeah. you so there are symbols of fertility, of um, sexuality, warfare. Uh, are they ever symbols of wealth? Hmm. Not that I can think of. Mm-hmm. Um, i trying to think what a symbol of wealth would have been. Mm-hmm. I kind of just put you on the spot. <laughs> no, that's okay. Yeah, I, I don't think it would have been. Because mm-hmm. uh, I remember, like, once thinking about Taurus, I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe it's a symbol of wealth because, like, if you got more cows, you can get married mm-hmm. <laughs> by giving your cows. <laughs> As, like, the dowry. Yeah, like, here's some, yeah. here's some cows. I think that would depend on the culture and it would depend on what they were giving mm-hmm. as dowries. Can you tell I come from, like, a farmer's family? <laughs> no, that's not so bad. Um, yeah. Way, I, way down the line. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, I was there when I was born. But yes. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's cool. Um, so, Europa, which, is that where the name for Europe now comes yes. from? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. Because Phoenicia is more, is closer to what we would consider the Middle East and off the coast uh, of Cyprus. Like, yeah, Turkey, Cyprus, like in that area is where Phoenicia was. Um, and now once we get to like Crete and Greece, that's we consider Europe. So yes, that is where we get Europe from. Oh, I didn't realize that Europe was named after like a character. A character. So many of like, yeah, so many places are from a character. So I can't remember if it was last week or or week, (laughs) month or the month before (laughs) we were talking about, um, the, it was the Ram. So was that last week? Yeah, that was was last last month. Last month. (laughs) Aries. Aries the Ram. Yeah. So Hella that got dropped in, remember she kind of fell off the ram right. um, into kind of a strait of water. They now call and then called the Hellespont because of Hella. Hella from the, the, the story. From the story, yeah. yeah. Same with the Aegean Sea. We call it the Aegean Sea and they did as well for King Aegeus who was Theseus's father. Cool. And he, yeah, he was upset because Theseus came home and he, or he thought that Theseus was dead. So he threw himself off of a cliff on, into the sea and died. And that's how the name got, got hit after his name, the Aegean Sea. Wow. So yes, we do have that happening quite a bit. Is uh, Paris, France named after Paris? I don't think so. No? Not that I know of. Is there, what else would it be Paris has after? two names. I mean, it might be. Maybe that's what they want. Maybe it was one of, maybe it was like an influence yeah, I don't know. It definitely could have been. Yeah, I'm not really sure. But there's at least enough of them that were named after those classic stories. Mm-hmm. Like Alexandria was named after Alexander the Great because he founded that city. <laughs> that makes sense that he would name it after himself. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we have lots of stuff nowadays that are named after the people who either founded it or discovered it or whatever. Exactly. So that's why, yeah, we have a lot of origin myths in that sense. But do you have a tarot spread for us? I do. Ooh. And I call it the Taurus spread of prosperity. Oh, dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. Yeah. Well, like, a lot of people tend to ask questions about work 
or prosperity. And I was very much influenced, like inspired. I'm going to use the word inspired. I was inspired by um, the pentacles uh, when coming up with this spread. Um, before I really talk about it, I don't know if I've mentioned uh, anything about the geometry of spreads before. Possibly. I can't remember. Do I mean, it again. I might as well. <laughs> I might as well talk, <laughs> talk about it. Yeah. So uh, a lot of times I like to think about... Um, about the way that cards are going to be unfolded for the seeker and it's important to me that they kind of tell a story and that one card's energy leads into the next one so that it's kind of a progression of um it's, it's more like a progression of uh thought so that they can gain a perspective of one idea leading into the next one um and that really happened with this Taurus spread mm -hmm. I'm really excited about it. So um, I'll describe the symbol of Tauros. Tauros is a perfectly round circle with two horns <laughs> on it. And uh, on the left side, that's where I decided to start. I started, grabbed the bull by the horns. <laughs> yeah. Started on the left horn and then just kind of followed it down around the circle like a loop-de-loop -loop, and then back over to the right horn. So each one actually, it's kind of like, it just spirals onto mm -hmm. itself. And um, the reason why I, I was inspired to do that with this is because in prosperity, there's a lot of ups and downs, right? So I wanted to kind of take the naturally flowing motion of the Tauros symbol and use that to compound it with the ideas of what you can expect in, uh, in a prosperity type of reading, right? So um, we've got on the left side, the left horn, you have the seeker, and also what it is they're bringing to the situation. And then we get to the top of the circle. At the top of the circle, you have the desire. And so that's basically just, it's always nice to start a spread with um, a little information about the seeker uh, who's asking the question to the tarot because that kind of solidifies that. It, it's like it's like reassurance, really. Um, it's also helpful when you're giving a reading to someone you don't know. <laughs> Can it, like, set the tone yeah, as well? exactly, yeah. Like, I gave a lot of readings um, last week to a bunch of strangers. <laughs> Thank you. Which was wonderful. <laughs> yeah, uh, Vidi had a party. <laughs> and it was great because uh, I like having those, those cards at the beginning of a spread that are like, okay, I know exactly who I'm dealing with here. Hmm. And that helps so much as a reader to kind of give the right phrasing so that the, the seeker can get the right message because you might understand something from your perspective but you don't necessarily know if the other if the person you're reading for is ready to hear it or mm -hmm. if like how to phrase it so that they can understand it in the best way um okay so at the top of the circle you have the desire and that really sets the tone for what aspect of prosperity are you looking for Right? Are you looking for something financial, something uh, in the career side? Or are you looking more for security? Are you looking more for um, even relationships? There's a lot of there's a lot of ways we can interpret mm -hmm. that. Uh, and then after, when we're going down the circle, you have destabilizing factors. So I kind of think of this as um, as uh, in the the five of pentacles when it talks about the the dangers of not releasing or the four of pentacles even when you're hoarding what mm -hmm. it is that 
you sh like you're hoarding your resources. So I very much was influenced by that. Um, and it's funny because it actually landed on the number four in the spread as well. Mm -hmm. So the four of pentacles was like the inspiration for the destabilizing factors. And this represents what the seeker needs to let go of in order to move forward. And then at the bottom of the circle, you have, of course, number five, the fear. <laughs> Fives tend to be um, the, the scariest part of most of this most of the um the suits right the five mm -hmm. of pentacles mm -hmm. is definitely a, a major fear and it also talks about um like loss and the dangers of not letting go of what needs to be let go of and then of course number six when we're coming up the circle you have something to invest in so i call this the stabilizing factors and then number seven we've gone we've left the circle and now we're on to the right horn and this is the impact on the surroundings. I could also interpret this as um, the way other people are perceiving the seeker. And then number eight, this is our longest spread yet. <laughs> <laughs> number eight is the future. Um, so other aspects about the geometry of this spread is that it is symmetrical. Um, Tauros being very sen sensitive to um, beauty and nature, I felt like it had to be a symmetrical spread <laughs> for sure. Uh, anyways, it was awesome this last month seeing a bunch of um, listeners posting their spreads on Facebook. That was awesome. And I even got the opportunity to read for a, a couple of people. Yes, thank you so, so much for doing that. And we encourage you to continue. And I'm going to try to remember to do mine as well. <laughs> I'm new to Facebook. So I, I just got started and I was like, oh, okay, this is exciting. Um, so I got to get used to going on more often. But <laughs> it was so cool to like see everyone's spreads and especially seeing how people made their spread their own as well mm -hmm. like uh some people might have like they changed a couple cards to suit them better and i totally encourage that oh yeah tarot, find what works for you exactly right? yeah tarot is all about um interpretation right so finding the way to interpret the cards in order to get the message that you need yeah that's that's the way of the tarot in my opinion mm -hmm. <laughs> lovely all right. Well, uh, seems like we're we're pretty much coming to a close. Yeah, right on time. So thank you, everyone, so much. As always, really appreciate you listening, especially now that we've <laughs> gone to once a month. Um, so I definitely recommend that if you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet to do that. That way, when we do come out with an episode, it'll come right onto your player right away. And if you would like to get in touch with us, again, as always, we have our Facebook group. We have our email everything will be on the bottom of the show notes so you can reach out to us there and you can also find uh the pdf of the spread described yes. in this uh in this podcast where can you where can they find that they can find that on facebook as well in our group yay and then you can also see other people's mm -hmm. possible spreads as well and maybe share your own if you're feeling brave yep exactly all right so today's words of wisdom come from uh, a tauros that i admire very much tina fey um, so she says, confidence is 10% hard work and 90% delusion, <laughs> which I thought was funny coming from a Taurus. Um, anyways, uh, the one I really liked was do your thing and don't care if they like it. Myth and tarot, where do the ideas go? talk about stories, stars and symbols, and all of the above.